the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 140. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Hey, my creative wife. Hello. How are you? (laughs) I've missed you. I've missed you. We had a little break. We did have a little break, but not like the Ross and Rachel break. Like we no, just had- <laughs> not that kind of break. No, just we're a thanks. Other people, yeah. or she was, but he wasn't because were, she was on a break. That's right. Were you seeing other people while we were on our break, Sandra? I wasn't really. No, sure. no. Yeah, I wasn't either. No, I've been nesting. I've been kind of in nesting mode, even though I am also feeling inclined to. Um, build a nest. I'm building a nest. Hmm. <laughs> building a nest for um, 2020. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've been just feeling a little nesty. Where are you at right now? Where are you living? I am at my home, uh, origi- the OG home. But <laughs> we turned in. So over Thanksgiving break, we we finally got our contract. We signed it. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's a, uh, you know, it's official. It's a, it's a financial commitment. Let me just right. say that. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> um, yikes. Right. So we signed our contract and turned that in and, and then the, um, contractor said two weeks, but then the subcontractor came out yesterday and said, okay, well, we're ready this week. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, we're not quite out of here then. Right. So we have to, so husband is taking off work on Friday. This will be the Friday before this airs and, um, and we're getting it done. We're going to be moved out. And so as this airs, we will officially, officially be in our tiny, um, rental. When you say tiny, how, how tiny? I don't really know the square footage. How about bedrooms? Um, 
it's, it has three, everyone will have their own bedroom. Oh, okay. Well, you know, my husband and I, of course, we're sharing a bedroom. But, what? You know, we are. <laughs> uh, but uh, the kids have their own bedroom and there's, there's actually two bathrooms. Um, one bathroom is upstairs. So there's, it's, it's kind of built like a condo. Mm-hmm. Um, when you walk in the door, there are some stairs where immediately that take you up to the bedrooms. So to the right is like a very tiny living room that really resembles more of a walkway <laughs> to, the <Okay>. kitchen, <laughs> to the kitchen. And, um, you know, and it's just a very small kitchen with a half half bath there. So anyway. Well, you have a sprawling ranch, right? Like you have this nice ranch. So it's very different setup, it sounds like, which probably does feel, you know. It's going to be cozy. Yeah. Cozy. It's going to be very cozy. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. New new things. So you're nesting on a couple of different fronts here, getting ready for the new year, but you're going to be in a physical home that you'll be nesting a new place to kind of Right, right. So yeah, it's a word that applies to a couple of things. Yeah. I mean, I've just been doing a lot of inner thought work, thinking, Mm -hmm. daydreaming and thinking about 2020, but we're, I'm actually going to have to get my butt in action this week because (laughs) yeah, we've, we've got to finish up the move, which really is like my desk, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of a big deal. Yeah. But I'm sitting at it right now and looking at all of the things that I need to pack up, trying to figure out what I can live without, what it needs to be accessible. And then just moving, finishing up the bedrooms and the kitchen. And really, we're done. It's yeah. just the last little scraps of things we've been living off of. Hmm. It'll feel good when it's done, but it's not fun in the middle of doing it, I'm sure. It'll, be, it'll feel good when it's done. I'm so tired of talking about it. So that will feel like a big relief that yeah. I won't have to talk about it anymore. We'll just be done. Yeah. And then it's phase two. <laughs> phase two in 2020. <laughs> I love it. I know we have so much. I can't wait till we do our episodes of end of year and beginning of year and talking about all the stuff that you and I love. And um, so that'll come later in December. But yeah, I am. Um, well, I... Over the Thanksgiving break, I had a ton of meetings um, that I needed to hit because I just, you know, that's how I get grounded again sometimes, do my routines and rituals, but also just need to to tap into hearing other people's stories in real life. Um, but I launched my Groove course over um, the holidays, which I didn't know that would be a smart thing to do or not. So I launched it on 11-22. And for people, if they wanted to do it over the Thanksgiving break, um, so that was kind of, you know, I, I got, I'm glad all that work is done, Sandra, like it's mm-hmm. done, it's on the website, it's available for people. And I'm going to really work on promoting that in January. But right now I'm going to be in the thick of getting the proof of life project all up in the modules, um, with my web designer who is an unruffled and it's like, a, she's sending me like an Asana calendar with all the dates and like something's due in two days for the, and I'm like, oh, wait, I got to do this during the holidays. And I have found that I've been very productive creatively during the holidays. Like there's a fire that gets lit, especially right after Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I, I think I felt that from you in the past too. Like it's all the dreaming yeah. and thinking about the new year and like all the stuff and it's, it's here. It's like that energy is definitely here right now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not just production for me. It's a lot of inflection too. And so, um, but yeah, I like this time of year actually. Mm-hmm. Possibilities. And yeah. yeah, I was just, I was just looking at my Euro, my Euro, my tarot for the year. And my December card that I pulled was the eight of wands at the beginning of the year, which means sudden movement or change. Mm-hmm. And then my card for the year was the ace of swords which was mental clarity and uh truth so it's been an interesting year it's been fun to kind of think about all that stuff so i look forward to chatting about all of those kinds of things with you because oh really yeah it gets me excited sure i love i haven't done my year head spread for 2020 yet i've been kind of like i'm just trying to delay the gratification of doing it mm-hmm and um, because my December card is actually the ma- magician, which is like one of my favorite cards mm. because it's just like um, empowered creator basically yeah. is, is um, what that card is. It's I about like, like self-empowerment meets action and, um, and it's, it's just magic. A, it is right. The magician, it's magic. Mm-hmm. Super just, yeah, explosive energy. Um, So I'm trying to just really like live into that, live into this month and, and trying not to jump the gun too much. Like I really like to do. I like to future trip a little bit. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying not to. Well, what are you offering? Like, are you still, are you still taking clients right now? Because this is going to air on December 9th. I am still taking clients for Change Your Story. I can, you know, I'm uh, the ones, the last couple that have signed on have come on knowing that, you know, we're in the holidays and we're just being flexible. We, mm-hmm. um, last week, I, we didn't have any calls last week. Um, I had some, well, that's not true. I had a few. And I, and, but some of the other women asked if we could, you know, pick up this week. Um, and, and skip a week. And, and that was fine. I'm totally flexible. So if you still want to sign up and get the price, um, point now, I would encourage you to do so. And we can be flexible around the holiday coming up. And, you know, if we go into January, that would be great. It's totally fine with me. It's our program. We get to design it however we want. Um, and what I'm talking about is change your story, which is an opportunity to work with me one-on-one and I help you and guide you, um, towards, you know, building something that, that, that thing that won't leave you alone. And, um, the work has been pretty valuable, I would say, and, and, and very effective. The work that I've done with women right now, I'm gathering some testimonials for a little bit of a rebranding on it for 2020. But what I'd really also like you to encourage everyone to do is please go sign up for my newsletter because I'm going to be talking about um, the transition of Change Your Story and all those kinds of end of year stuff, beginning of year stuff. Yeah. Um, and so if you just go to my website, theanruffle.com and you scroll down to the bottom, uh, sign up there and you'll re- actually receive a free uh, guide there called 10 Ways to Expand Your Recovery Through Creativity. It's something I created this year. And um, it's just a fun 10-point prompt, basically, um, that you get for free when you sign up. 
So yeah, the newsletter is the way to go. Same for me because there's so much to say right now. And it's like, I feel like even promoting at the, at right now in the show, it's like, there's too many moving parts to it, but the newsletter is the best way to hear about what is going to be going on. Um, for everybody that signed up for my groove course, they're going to be getting a $50 discount code for my proof of life project. And um, that's uh, a lot of the other promos and free uh, little classes or webinars I'm going to do the last week of this year are going to be um, available to my newsletter subscribers and they're going to get the Zoom link. And that's how you get in on the call to talk about planning, talk about your head spread, talk about how I do my calendars. Some people like this stuff. I know it might not be for everybody, but I totally geek out on it. And the cool thing about the Proof of Life project that I've done um, that I think is worth mentioning is that it's a four-week class that's going to be on my website that's just self-paced. You get to do it how you want to do it. And there's videos and there's going to be tutorials and PDFs and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's all going on there. But the thing I decided to add after talking with, um, with Aaron, my um, web designer and graphic designer, is that I'm going to offer a monthly, uh, I'm calling it a group sharing session because it's not coaching per se, but it's just kind of um, once a month on the first Sunday of each month, we're going to have a sharing session with a Zoom call for the entire calendar year of 2020. So that's mm. all included. Very with, fun. For $444, you get the class and then you get to be part of the community for the entire year for 2020. Um, it's an hour long call and they're not going to be recorded. They're live. So it's like, you got to be there to get them. And um, I think that's just, I'm super excited about that because I love the connection that I did last mm-hmm. summer when I had the classes yeah. live. Like I really like that live component. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my favorite part. part. That's my favorite part too. And so I think... Um, I think that's kind of fun. But anyhow, newsletter is the best way to do it. My website, TammySolace.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. Also, those two offerings are now on my homepage because Aaron redid my homepage. And um, I don't know. It's kind of fun to have like a little freshening up that I didn't have to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate what she did with my homepage because it's very, uh, it's, it, it looks more pleasing to me. Um, I did the best I could for as long as I could, but I've appreciated her help on that back end because I, I just don't know what I'm doing with some of this stuff. So, so that's all the promotion. Look at us promoting, promoting. Good for us. Yep. Sandra. That's yes. what we want you guys to do too. If you're creating something like it's taken us a while to get it down and we're still working on it, but yeah, we do good work. Yes. So we should introduce our guest for today, who's also doing really good work. Yeah. So today on the show, we have Laura Ward. And this is a series that we started um, a couple of episodes back where we are interviewing women from our Unruffled community. And uh, Laura Ward has worked in the public relations industry since 1996. On her very first day of sobriety in 2015, she launched the Quit Whining blog, where she spent more than four years writing about her recovery from alcohol addiction. Her writing has been published uh, by Today Parent and the Huffington Post, and she has appeared on numerous local television and radio programs. Yeah, and in 2018, after more than 20 years in the public relations industry, almost 12 at the helm of her own consulting business, Laura made an intentional shift to align her professional pursuits with her personal passion. Wanting to help other women struggling the way she had, Laura became certified as a life and recovery coach and a, a life and recovery coach and a she recovers coach. There's a special designation for that that she recovers offers. 
and she just celebrated her first anniversary in the coaching profession. So um, let's see, what else? Laura lives in Connecticut with her husband of 19 years. There are two teenagers, almost a two-year-old pup named Gordy. She hosts a monthly She Recovers Sharing Circle in the Hartford area. You can find her on her website at www.laurapward.com. Um, she's on Instagram at Laura P. Ward. What else? Uh, Facebook. She has a Laura oh, yeah. Ward coaching page on Facebook. And um, we loved we love chatting with Laura. She's a bright light. And we just hope that um, you guys um, get something out of her message as well. All right. Well, you guys enjoy Laura. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you so much, Tammy and Sandra. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Where are you chatting to us from? So our listeners are clued in. Oh, yeah. I'm in Connecticut, right outside Hartford. And we are under about 12 inches of snow. We had a storm the past couple of days. And my kids are finally back at school um, for the first time since we started the Thanksgiving break. So it's nice nice to have an empty house. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of kid time. It was good though. It was good. How old are your kids? My son is 15 and my daughter is 13. Oh, okay. So you have teenagers as well. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's a theme this morning, teenagers. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Well, ours are 16, right, Sandra, our boys? Mm -hmm. Like we're a couple, like our boys are 16. (laughs) (laughs) We are a creative couple, Sandra, you know, we are, Um, we are, but yes, my boy just drove off in a car. I just watched him drive off. Like we started recording and I'm like, Oh my heart, my heart, my heart. It's a lot harder than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That is coming soon for us. And he's ready and I'm not. And Mm -hmm. we did a little parking lot work one day this summer and, um, He's not very good. So right. yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Which is why they have to learn. But yes. it's interesting. I have to say, Laura, for my sobriety, um, I mean, in sobriety, the lessons that I've learned and the coping skills and the boundaries and the, all the things have helped with teaching him how to drive. Oh, yes. And the letting go, like that's my final I mean, I don't think I'm just going to be able to do that because I think we're always going to worry about our kids getting home safely, but that's where I'm at right now. Like as soon as he drives in at night, I'm like, he's home. Okay, good. Yes. But yeah, yeah, all, all of the foundation of recovery is I'm, I'm using every tool I got right now. Well, and that's why we do this, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's why we're doing what we're doing and finding all the tools and yeah. making them work for us in every way we can. Yeah. Um, well, today while we're recording is a very big day for you. It is a big day for me. So yeah, we, we normally start with like, um, you know, tell the listeners what your sobriety date is, but so why don't we, why don't we do that? So my sobriety date is February 4th, 2015. And today is December 4th, 4th, 2019. So I'm 58 months today and so close to five years with you. Because yeah. we're we're a day apart. We're a day oh, apart. Oh wow, that's so cool! I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We learned that down at She Recovers in LA when we were sitting by the pool, 
Laura had a necklace um, that was engraved with the date of her sobriety date. And I have a necklace that's engraved with the date of my sobriety date that I gifted myself on my one year. And so we we're like, oh, we're so close. We well, are. congratulations. Thank mm. you. And to you as well. Thanks. Yeah, congrats. Thanks. Well, how, you know, for our listeners, they like to know the skinny on things, you know, they want to, <laughs> the people we have on. And so how did you, how did you come to the decision to finally like quit drinking on February 4th, 2015? Sure. And so that date, actually was my comeback after a six-week relapse. Um, I had originally stopped drinking in 2014, um, May 31st, I think it was, and I went through almost seven months and I drank on Christmas Eve that Mm. year and did like the most beautiful job of moderating for a couple of weeks, you know, drank on Christmas Eve and Christmas, went the whole week till New Year's without having anything, drank on New Year's Eve. And then as soon as the kids went back to school after winter break, I started drinking the way I had been drinking before I stopped the first time. And that's when I said, all right, done, done, done. But backing up, um, what really, you know, what really did it for me is that um, I was spending more time thinking about not living than thinking about living. And I didn't know for sure that alcohol was at the root of that, but I did know that I was drinking a ton. Um, I was at the point where I was drinking beer throughout the day Um, I I work from home. I've worked from home for many, many years. So it was super easy to manage my consumption and my workload and kind of pace myself throughout the day. And then I would, I'd probably drink about six beers throughout the day and then ultimately um, do my two bottles of wine at night. It wasn't always like that, but that was how it was at the end. Right. Um, Were you being sneaky about that? Were you like hiding the empties and yeah, yeah. I was so super sneaky. I have, um, gosh, and this is, this is weird. So I have an Auric upright vacuum with the, you know, the big bag. I would hide the empty wine bottles in the, I would unzip the vacuum bag. Clever. In there. That is points for, for her. Um, ingenuity I was, this is a clever woman we're dealing with right here i have never heard of that hiding space so, you know when we talk about creativity no, <laughs> no we are yeah we're creative in the end this is my creative outlet i would put them behind the washer and dryer down in the basement they would stash them in my car i was doing a lot of travel back and forth to new jersey for work at the time and I would put them all in my car and then I would hit a dumpster on the highway at a rest stop on my way mm. to New Jersey. Um, I had a couple of hiding spots my husband found, so that quickly changed. And then, you know, at the next morning I would forget where I put everything. Right. And I, you know, I'd go try to find everything so that I could wrap it all up in newspaper, 
put it in a garbage bag and put it in the, the dumpster to go out to the end of the driveway for the, the garbage each week. And I felt more guilty about not recycling the glass bottles than I did about drinking the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah. that crazy? It's ins- it sounds like insanity right now though, right? Right. It's, it's yeah. insanity. I mean, well, the links that we went to. Well, to remember, remember that scene from when a man loves a woman? Yes. I mean, yes. and she uh, goes out and gets mm-hmm. it out of the, yeah. Wraps up the bottle, puts it in the trash can. Like just, yeah, the whole, that, that's the thing. I think when we're, when we're drinking, um, it doesn't seem like it's out of the ordinary. It doesn't seem like it's insanity, right, Sandra? Just no. survival. It seems like what we have to do. And that's when I'm reminded, like when I sit with other women who share their stories and it's like, I'm reminded like norm, quote unquote, normal drinkers don't do that. Yeah. Oh no. They don't no, do no, that. No, no, no. And so if you're, if you're listening and you're, and you do any of that, like you might want to take a real hard look at it because that's, uh, that's not, um, not to shame anybody, but like that, that's your signal. Like there's something else going on here, you know? Oh. Okay. So how you, okay. So you, so then you, you try drinking again, obviously. So what happened on February 4th? Or actually, can we, I want to ask you what happened on new uh, Christmas Eve? Were you planning to drink? Did you have like a, just a effort moment or were you thinking you could moderate then you were all good? Yeah, there was, there was no plan whatsoever. When I, when I stopped drinking, I did not know that it was going to be forever. I truly believed that if I gave up alcohol long enough, I could at some point go back and drink. You would even out, write yourself. I was, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had given it up in the past for different diets that I had tried and pregnancy and pregnancy, of course. Um, although I'll be completely honest, um, my first pregnancy toward the end, my doctor said to me, have a glass of wine. So Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) right. When somebody gives you permission, you just go for it. Um, and I was very, very uncomfortable toward the end. And she said, of course you can have a glass of wine and that was good. Bring it on. Um, I, so I had stopped that year. Um, Part of what helped my drinking get as bad as it got is that I was self-medicating a back injury. I had been doing it for 12 years. Um, I thought that because I wasn't taking pain pills, I was fine. And I was actually terrified of getting addicted to pain pills. Um, So of course, what do you do? You do alcohol instead, right? Um, And I was, um, my back was at its absolute worst as I headed into 2014. Um, So my, my decision to stop drinking was actually part of some work that I was doing to completely detox my body in general. I actually changed my entire diet at that time as well because I was getting ready to have spine surgery in the mm. fall. So that surgery was in November that year. And I did not have any gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, none of that in the you know, six or 
four to six months leading up to the, the surgery date because I wanted to heal quickly and be at my best. Um, and, and I did, it was great. My healing went beautifully. Um, but I still wasn't adding alcohol back in. And then on Christmas Eve, it was like the poop just hit the fan in every way possible. Oh, I thought we were going to get to talk about poop, but yeah, okay. No, <laughs> we're not. We're not, right, <laughs> Laura? We're not going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sandra. I'm trying to be all PG. So anyway. Do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but just keep going. But just keep going. <laughs> We host Christmas. We've hosted Christmas for 20 to 25 people every year for as long as I can remember. I think since we got married, so 19 years. Um, and we were hosting, of course, that year. And my daughter woke up sick on Christmas Eve. And it was, it was obviously the flu, but I had to take her to the doctor and took her in. Flu, you know, and then we start calling everybody. So you guys, we have flu in the house. Did everybody have their flu shots? Can people still come to Christmas? My uncle was battling cancer at the time. So that was a factor because his immune system was compromised from his, his uh, therapy that he was doing for, for cancer. And it was like, go buy the food, don't go buy the food. And we always bought, you know, a case of wine and go buy the wine, don't go buy the wine. And it was just like, it was getting insane. And we had no idea whether or not Christmas was happening. And um, my husband finally went out and he just bought everything. He's like, we'll cook it all and we'll have leftovers for the rest of forever. And, um, and it'll be great. And he came back with the wine and he, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to open a bottle. And he's not a big drinker at all. He can take it or leave it. I think I see him drink maybe once or twice a year at this point. And, uh, and I said, yeah, pour me a glass too. Like without even thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's what did it. Um, and I really, I didn't realize until the experience of that six week relapse that I was going to be much better off without alcohol in my life forever. Um, that I, it wasn't until that point that I truly, or the, the end of the six weeks that I said, this is a problem. You can't moderate, you are addicted. When you give this to yourself, your body just wants more. It's a physical thing. Um, and, uh, and I said, this, this has to be forever. And I sat there on, yeah, and I, we were just talking about the date a little while ago. So I sat there on February 3rd, 2015, doing my thing that I did, sitting and drinking my wine at night after everybody went to bed, realizing that I couldn't do that anymore. And kind of writing out this entire plan to launch a blog. And, um, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I was researching names and making sure that I wasn't infringing on anyone's intellectual property with the name of the blog and um, trying to figure all the things out. And, um, and then I woke up the next morning and looked at everything I had written and I said, you know what, that actually makes sense. That's not so far-fetched. And so I'm on February 4th, 2015, I launched my blog and that was kind of, the, the writing is what 
got me through. That was my therapy. It wasn't for anybody else. It was really just for me. Mm-hmm. But I've loved finding out that the people who have read what I've written have, um, you know, it's, it's resonated with them in whatever way. And it's helped them on their path to, to find out what works best for them. I find that fascinating that you launched your blog on your day one. That's incredible. (laughs) So you did that for like accountability or because that was a a process you, you just immediately knew that was going to be a process that would benefit you. And that's a great question. I don't know if it was necessarily for accountability. Um, because I actually didn't even say who I was when I first started. Okay. It was like an anonymous. I used used a pen name, Mm -hmm. um, because I was, I was terrified of anybody I knew finding out that I was dealing with this, but it was more, it was more therapeutic for me. Mm. Um, writing has just always been my outlet. Um, and that's, you know, that's where I land in the creativity space. Right. I'm not big on visual creativity, but, um, but I love to write. And that was, that was just a place for me to kind of just put it all out there and process things that I wasn't sure about, write about experiences that I was having in sobriety, challenges I was facing, um, and, and just work through some stuff. I think it's so great. I mean, that you, I mean, what you did is kind of listen to yourself. Like, I think, I don't know, we were talking about intuition last night, me and some ladies that I was with and how we didn't listen to it when we were drinking, you know, Sandra and I talk about that, like, we'd have all these great ideas, but then we never, you know, our actions never matched our intentions. And, and when you just sat down, you knew you wanted to pour out some words and deposit them somewhere. Right. And if someone someone read them, they read them, but if it was for you, it's a very cathartic, cathartic exercise. And I think there's a lot of women in our um, secret Facebook group for the podcast that have started blogs. And um, I don't know, I think that's just a really good tool Um, when you're trying to figure things out, you know? I absolutely agree with you. Um, And yeah, and that's what it has always been for me. I've always written, whether it was writing that I had to do for work on topics that I wasn't passionate about. um, And deep in my heart, I always said, I want to have a blog, but I don't know what it will be about. Mm. And then lo and behold, (laughs) alcohol addiction shows up and says, hey, getting sober is something you can blog about. And it was the most beautiful combination of everything. But I, I always recommend to women I'm talking with about getting sober, right? Whether it's your journal or the notes app on your phone, just type out words, string them together. And I get people who say, well, it doesn't, it doesn't sound as good when I write as what I read on everyone's blogs. And I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be for anyone else. It can just be for you. But there's, there's so much in that process of stringing words together. And, um, and the quote that I love is, is by Danny Shapiro. And she says, by following the line of words, I return to myself and get to know the contents of my heart. 
And that perfectly sums up what writing is, is for me. Hmm. That's beautiful, Laura. I mean, it, it, I think writing and, and putting our thoughts down, like I know, um, you know, that's why morning pages are so important, you know, kind of like brain dumping and getting things out of us and onto something. It almost feels like a, like an exorcism, right? Like I'm getting it out of my head into a notebook um, or the computer and just depositing it. Like for you, Slater, yeah, maybe. Um, I know Morning Pages philosophy says not to reread, but you know sometimes people do. I haven't. I kind of deposit them and shut the book, and I don't look at them again. It kind of empties my brain. Um, but I think that I've been writing since two thousand and eight. A blog. So mm-hmm. before I got sober, I was writing, but it was a very different version of my life. And but I've been writing since my day one too, Laura, and it has really helped me. Really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the one thing that's, that's been the constant for me. Do I write every day? No. There are some days that I go without writing and then, and then I'll write, you know, every day for two weeks straight. And a lot of it never sees the light of day. Again, you know, similar to the morning pages, it just, you know, the cover gets closed and, and that's that. Which Um, is just as valuable, you know, just as valuable because I, I journaled the same, you know, I journaled since my day one as well. It just, you know, it wasn't published. Now I went back through those journals when I did start a blog and I reused a lot of those things that I had written down, but yeah, it just completely saved me. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's some kind of um, healing that's being done there. Um, And I think, and that's, I, I, yeah, I think it's a really good tool to use for recovery. You said, you said something, Laura, when you sent in your um, answers to our questions, because we had posed in the secret Facebook group for some listeners if they wanted to come on the show. And, and you said something about that writing really grounds you. And, um, but you said that creativity seemed like something that you had lost a long time ago. And so I wanted to ask you, like, you know, how, how did you, the writing was the part, but it sounds like you, you, you were creative as a child, right? I was. I was yeah. incredibly creative as a child. I mean, when you think back, so I'm, um, you know, I'm approaching 50. So when we were kids, you know, we didn't have all the things that our kids are keeping their hands busy with now with the devices and and everything. We, you know, I I played with my dolls. I colored in my coloring books. We had latchkey rugs. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I remember that, Sandra. (laughs) Oh, I still have latch hook rugs, by the way. <laughs> yes. yes. And my, so, oh my gosh, you're totally taking me back. My <laughs> dad had the, and this is how I got into the latch hooking. My dad had the biggest latch hook on the top of his desk in his study in our house with a piece of glass over the top of it. So it was like, Ooh. it was the top of his desk, but then it was, and he had just done whatever he wanted to do with it. And I don't think he ever Aww. did another one after that, but it was just the coolest thing. Um, and I was like, I want to learn how to do that. So they bought me my first kit. So, you know, but I, I, I knew how to knit. I knew how to sew. Um, I would make clothes for my dolls. And I would paint and I would color and I would do things with markers and stickers. And 
I would make up radio shows, you know, when you had the little cassette deck and you would put the tape in and hit record. I had radio shows and I would have my sister and my brother join me on the radio show. And I would tell them, this is the character you're going to play. And we're going to talk about whatever. And I remember there was a commercial that we made up for this product called Bat Blood. And hmm. I mean, it just, my sister and I would make up songs. Um, well, you were doing PR then, right? <laughs> <laughs> she was it hosting her own podcast. <laughs> It must have been in there somewhere, right? Um, yeah. To, to just come out professionally later, I don't know, but um, but you know, I made my own Halloween costumes. I had longer hair and would do makeup hairdos. You know, I would be the one decorating the bulletin boards at school, and had the fanciest dioramas for the book reports and all all of those things and. Somewhere along the way, I stopped and it just, it got lost. Yeah. And maybe probably in high school and college and then having to get serious um, in, in real life as an adult and work and, and do all of that. And it started to come back a little bit where, and I don't know if you, either of you ever heard of this, but um, years ago, Crate. Crayola launched um, a home, home party sales company called Big Yellow Box. Hmm. And it doesn't exist anymore. But mm -hmm. my, my dear friend started um, working as a Big Yellow Box consultant. And I thought it was the coolest thing to go and um, have these parties. The concept was inside the Yellow Box was a craft kit with everything you needed to do to complete the craft, whether it was a little tea set that you were going to paint or um, a, a necklace you were going to bead. There were, um, there were these piggy banks and you painted the pig and there was a guide and it took you all the way through the whole thing. And that was my kind of creativity, right? When someone told me what to do from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, so I signed on and I became a consultant and I got to do all the craft kits to display when I would take them to parties. And that's when, that's when I started to get some of it back. Um, but I was never sitting doing those craft kits without a glass of wine in my <laughs> hand. You know, I was, I was always, you know, if, if I didn't have a little something helping me, I couldn't be creative enough. And even, even with any of the writing I was doing back when I was drinking, if I wasn't drinking, I didn't think I could write. Um, and so... Oh, go ahead. I think you're not alone in that thinking. Mm -hmm. I get, no, and I've heard other people say the same thing. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it's scary to try and get some of that back once we stop drinking um, and yeah. to, to test the waters and see, you know, if we've quote unquote still got it. Um, and, and I've done it with my writing. And I'm starting to do it more with the more visually creative stuff. I mean, I, I participated in the Recovery Gals Art Exchange um, a couple of cycles ago. And, and did you love it? I did love it. <laughs> I did love it. But I also, I'm all, you know, we're all or nothing gals, right? Um, yeah. That's part of our, our personality. Um, and I threw myself way into it. Um, and it just, it was very, very time consuming. And I haven't, um, 
you know, I haven't figured out how to balance that to, to be at peace and be comfortable with the project without it consuming everything. Um, I, I, that just happens to me when I take on a new project, kind of everything else falls by the wayside so I can focus on um, this new thing. that about yourself is a good, is that's, that's growth. I think, you know, if mm -hmm. you know, you know that you can't take on something like that unless you have a lot of time to dedicate to it. Yes. Yes. And, and I did at the time, which was great because I had, um, I had a wonderful time doing it, but again, it was, I, I needed, and I felt like I needed a special set of tools to be able to do what I needed to do. I don't, there aren't things that, um, you know, I don't go, oh, I know how to do that. I know how to do that type of art or create this thing. So I ended up going to a pottery painting studio to make my piece for my partner um, because I wasn't sure what else to do, but mm -hmm. I loved the process. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't have a pattern or anything else. I painted it completely by hand. I picked the colors myself, which that was huge for me because um, mm -hmm. I've always struggled with what matches with what and color palettes and all these, all these things. So, um, but it was cool. It was really cool. Well, that's what I think is so cool about the Recovery Gals Art Exchange. And if, if any listeners are listening, it's something that Sandra and I started, gosh, was it how many years ago, Sandra? Two? Uh, you know, I was just, I've just <laughs> pulled up my resume this morning because I'm working on something. We started in 2017. Wow. I yeah. And, and I think the, um, the, ex we exchanged with other women who are in recovery and we kind of match you guys up in a secret Facebook group. So if you want to know more information about that, you can send us a message on Facebook or an email and it's the, it's an exchange of, of a piece of art in any kind of medium that you want it to be, right? It could be anything. It could be a poem. It could be a batch of cookies. It could be visual art. It could be a song. It could be anything that you want it to be. And what I think is so beautiful about the exchange is that it's very healing for the person who is doing, making the art, right? You're keeping your word to yourself that you're going to do it. You're keeping your word to your partner that you're going to mail it off. Um, it's, it's very much like practicing being sober and in recovery, I think, and keeping our word to ourselves. And then, and, and so many other things, but then, and then you get to gift it away and expect nothing in return because it's an idea that it's an exchange, but sometimes people aren't on the same page. Sometimes people are at a different phase of their recovery. Sometimes people can't follow through. And so you really have to give it away freely yeah. and with no expectation and know that you did the work that you did. And then it's off into the world and how it's received or what that person does with it, that's you know not up to us, we have to let go. And so I think the whole, the whole making part is very satisfying and beautiful, but it's also this other exercise that we get to do and the other person gets to do with that what they will and how they receive it. Maybe it'll be helpful for them. If they don't do the exchange, I've thought about this over time, like when some people don't do the exchange or drop out and, and kind of ghost their partners, I've been thinking like they're on their own journey, you know? Yep. And they'll think about that maybe. Maybe that'll be a, a little a little step in their recovery that they figure out like, you know, I keep leaving myself or I keep not following through. Why is that? You know, mm. and we don't know what's happening to our partners on the other side. And so I've been trying to have more, um, I've just been thinking about that a lot more with the exchange. And, well, uh, and that's that's the other element of it. It's the connection between yeah. the two the two partners. 
Yeah. And there's been some really beautiful connections of people who do exchange. I'm not saying that it doesn't work out. I'm just saying there's been some instances and it's made me think about, you know, people are at different phases of their recovery and we have to remember that. And not everybody's um, at the same place, which helps me in life. Think about just humans, not just people in recovery. Um, so I'm so glad you participated and you liked it, Laura, and you did it how it worked for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. I loved it. And, and my partner did not flake out on me. So I have a beautiful piece of artwork that hangs in the window in my office. And, oh. and we got to, she and I got to um, Zoom a couple of times and talk with one another before we, before we exchanged our artwork. I think before we decided what to make for each other. So that was, that was really lovely. And I have a new friend now. Yeah. So, um, I'm so happy about that. And you, you also do, I noticed that you, you mentioned that you did um, art in Canva and um, you're doing like digital art too for, for all the work that you do, right? I'm, I, I think so. <laughs> yes. yes, I use, I use those tools and I have fun using them. I have no idea if what I'm creating is good. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those where in the line of work I've done for so long in public relations and marketing, I get branding. I know mm-hmm. what it is, but I've never been the one on the creative side of the branding. I've mm-hmm. been the one on the, the messaging, right? And the, um, the presentation of it and, and all the places we need to see the brand. Um, we used to talk about, you know, in, in industry terms, 360 degree branding. So now doing the work I'm doing for myself with, with coaching, um, I, you know, I need to have a website that looks good and I'm creating some programs, which, um, I feel like is another extension of my creativity, just putting, putting group programs together, um, and designing the way things look when they go out in an email or when someone sees it on the website. And, um, anyway, look at where I was a year ago with one of the programs I launched and I was like, yeah, it was kind of cool looking with the images I chose but I like what I've done with it for next year even more, but I really like no graphic design experience. So thank goodness for things like Canva and WordSwag because um, I really don't have a clue. I just kind of play until I go, yeah, all right. That looks good mm-hmm. to, me, to me anyway. I don't know if it looks, I don't know if it looks good to anybody else, but it's so, it's so much fun to do. Um, so just, I love that process. Yeah. And you get to push yourself every time you take on one of those challenges. Definitely. That's sometimes one of the hardest things for me to do is to get into the visual piece of it because I know it's not, it's, it's still not in my comfort zone. I think it's always going to be just on the edge, um, outside a little bit. Um, and, uh, and you know, once I get into it, I, I love the process, but it's, it's starting. It's usually the last thing to come together. Everything's done. And then I'm like, oh, I need to make it pretty. Ah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of the, the terror of, great, I've got this wonderful program, but I, if I make it look bad, <laughs> well, and, and I'm in probably, trouble. <laughs> you probably learned so much just from just starting, right? You just did it last year. You did a lot of work last year on your year-long coaching program. You asked a lot of people to, to help you out, you know, and you put yourself out there in terms of who you had help every month. And I, I was honored you asked me to, to help out in November. 
and talk about gratitude. And I just, I mean, you had a whole thing that you were creating. How long from inception to like knocking that out late last year when you were promoting it? Like how long did that take you? It actually happened very quickly, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I didn't receive my coaching certification until September. Um, my, my goal at the time had been to complete the training before I went to She Recovers in LA. Mm -hmm. And I, I did that. I mean, by the skin of my teeth, <laughs> I really <laughs> had just completed before I went out, but I wanted to be able to go out and say, I'm a coach now. Mm -hmm. um, and I did. So then I didn't officially launch my coaching business until November 1st. Wow. I had had, I had had this idea about, you know, a group coaching program that would last the entire year. And every month we would focus on a different theme. Um, and, and they would be themes that are, you know, things that are part of your life, but that you haven't necessarily worked on in recovery because maybe up until this point, your focus has been just to not pick up just to not drink and maybe there's some white knuckling going on maybe you haven't found your program you know what combination of tools work for you so this was kind of like a reinvent it was called reinvent your wheels and it is still called reinvent your wheels for for next year um and just working on things like moving your body and paying attention to your fuel and exploring creativity exploring writing um, working on gratitude, look, taking a look at yoga, all the different things that um, can help you kind of shift from surviving in sobriety to truly thriving in recovery. Well, now that you're coming up on the end of the year of this coaching program, do you, was it successful? I mean, do you, did you enjoy it? And do you feel like I you had some progress with your absolutely, clients? Or? Absolutely. Um, and I think I learned a ton. Um, I am confident that those who participated have learned quite a bit for themselves as well. I think the biggest takeaway for me is that asking people to commit to something for an entire 12 months is a very, very big ask. It is, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I know that I go into things, you know, for the long haul, like, I, you know, if I start something, I'm going to see it to completion usually. Um, but not everybody's like that. And yeah, and I would think that you probably have a lot of enthusiasm in the beginning, and then it maybe starts to trail off. And, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, with this 12 month program, people had the option to sign up for the entire year upfront or to go with a monthly membership. Um, and all but two of the monthly membership people dropped out um, along the way, you know, not all at once, um, but kind of just trickled away. Um, you know, and I had several scholarship recipients in the program as well, and, um, and then some, some women who uh, paid for the entire year up front. And participation has really dropped off throughout, mostly in the last three to four months. Um, it was, it was really good in the beginning. And I think, you know, I think life just shows up um, and just as it, it does for, for all of us. 
and we have to step back and then maybe we can step back in and um, you know, hopefully folks are taking away what they want with the, the lessons. I, I do a, a module around our theme each month and that's available. Whether or not people wanna participate in the group coaching calls that have been there or listen to the, the guest speaker for the month, which is done as a Facebook Live in a private group. Um, you know, it's been you know, everyone at their own pace. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and I think, you know, everyone realizes that they get out of something what they put into it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and that's really my big thing is, is I get out of my recovery, what I put into it. Um, and if I don't keep putting into it, I can't keep grabbing those dividends when I need them. Um, so it's just a, a constant reinvestment in, um, in, in myself. Um, and this program was an opportunity to do that for those who wanted to participate in it. It will not be a year long in 2020. It'll be six weeks. Okay. Um, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> so you've retooled, you've retooled it. You took what you learned this year and you repackaged it, right? And yeah. boiled it mm -hmm. down. I mean, that's so cool. That's how right? it's done. Yep. That's how you do it. That's and that's, and I'm, and I'm so glad I did because I have to tell you that as I was getting ready to launch it last year. Um, because I, I announced it almost exactly a year ago and put it out there for people to see and decide whether or not it was something they wanted to do. I had a couple of different people say to me, how can you just do that? How can you just put it out there without knowing if it's going to be something people want to do? You know, and, and, and I sat there and I'm like, oh yeah, I want hundreds of people to sign up for this. And it just was like, I look back now and I'm like, gosh, that was kind of crazy, but we yeah, but you learn from doing it. That's, yes. that's how you figure it out. You have to do it first. You can't, you don't have the results ahead of time. <laughs> exactly. And the people who are out there with the programs we look at and we think they have their offering the perfect program, they had to go through a process like this as well. We just maybe didn't see it because we weren't watching at that time. Right. Um, so I, I'm glad I did it because I learned so much. It makes me a better coach to have learned what does and doesn't work for people and, and to help me create something that, um, that hopefully will be even better next year. Well, you, you just, for someone who, who, who used to be super creative as a kid, you say, and then it dropped off, you're back in business lady. You're like, making things, creating, <laughs> creating a life that you want and that you're helping people like that's, that takes a lot of work and a lot of um, dedication. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, well done. Oh, thank you. And I am, I'm so happy. I mean, mm. never in a million years do we imagine what can, what can happen. Um, I think, you know, I think we decide to put ourselves on a path that serves us, you know, get off the path that isn't working hop on to this other one and grab the stuff that works along the way. And lo and behold, here I am as a coach. I mean, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I could help people with anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew, I knew how to get people into the newspaper and on TV and tell their stories. I, that's, that's what I did for a living. Mm -hmm. And, and now to be, um, to be helping women 
find, um, you know, some of what I've been able to find um, and get to a better place in their lives is just the coolest thing I never would have imagined. Is that how, I know I'm going back a little bit, but is that how yeah. recovery, like you didn't take any traditional program recoveries, right? You, 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 you were on the digital online recovery spaces and like went to She Recovers and is that how you found your foundation and, and did the coaching program? Is that what helped you with your recovery? Yeah, I, I, I worked with a coach actually when oh, okay. I, when I first got sober. Um, so that was kind of my, you know, if I'm going to call it a program, coaching mm -hmm. was, was my program. Um, she is a woman who's local to me, who I had met through business networking years ago. And when I realized that I might need to stop drinking, that I really needed to change my relationship with alcohol and probably so many other things, I called her because I thought either she could help or she'll know someone who can. Um, I, I did know about 12 Step. Um, my grandmother actually um, was, was involved with 12 Step, although I didn't know it when she was alive, um, which is a bummer now. But, um, and I just, you know, I worked with, I worked with a coach, got to the point where I was feeling really good to fly on my own, um, never imagined myself doing the work she does. And even, even at She Recovers in New York, the first time they had the big event and, and announced that they were going to have a coaching designation, I just kind of went, oh, that's really cool. But I could never do that. Mm. And then about six months later, some women I knew in real life reached out to me and, and said, I need to stop drinking too. Can you help me? And I was like, oh, holy cow. I can totally share my experience, but I have no credentials whatsoever. And I can't, I can't in good conscience help somebody without feeling like I've got some sort of professional training to, to do that work. Um, you know, whether, whether I was going to charge money for it or not, I just didn't feel qualified. Um, but, and that's, that's just who I am. I know there are plenty of people out there coaching with, with no credentials whatsoever. Um, and, and they're very good at it. I just, I couldn't bring myself to do that. That's your personality type. You wanted that certification. <laughs> you want it, right? Cause I, I feel like we're similar in, in some ways. And I, yeah, I, you probably wanted that just to kind of qualify yourself. Right. So you felt official. Felt official. Yeah. I felt like if there was something I got stuck on or I needed answers or needed mm. help or support, there was an institution to turn to. Um, right. you had I wasn't way. out there all by myself going, Hey, yeah, I'm doing this. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. Well, so, I mean, it sounds Laura, like, I mean, it's a beautiful journey that you've been on. I'm sure it wasn't all easy. Um, but can you share with our listeners, like how you feel like you're thriving now in your life without alcohol? Absolutely. Um, I, and, and, you know, just like everybody else, I'm not thriving at the same high level of thriving every single day. But when you look at the big picture, it's still a beautiful, um, a beautiful thriving life. And I, taking away the thing that I was always turning to, to numb out 
and to, I didn't realize that what I was doing, but I was, I was punishing myself for what I felt were inadequacies or I was sabotaging um, because I was too nervous to succeed at something and I didn't think I deserved success. So mm. um, there's been a big mindful shift for me um, from feeling like I just wasn't good enough and um, and trying to cope with those awful feelings and the, the negativity in my head and the loathing to now, you know, it's, it's not a, a negative self-talk with me anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I shifted away from the, the limiting beliefs and I still talk to myself a ton, but I'm pep talking myself. Um, you know, you hear, you hear about, well, if you, if you were talking to yourself as a child, what would you be telling the child version of yourself in this situation? And it's just for me, thriving is all about having compassion for myself, having patience with myself, allowing imperfections to be because there is no such thing as perfect. And just giving myself the space to do really well, but also hit roadblocks and potentially fail a little bit and come back from that and learn all the lessons that are showing up for me instead of refusing to see what, you know, what the universe was trying to tell me. <laughs> now I'm kind of just sit here. I, I sit here open to, okay, bring it on. Show me what it is I'm supposed to see. Teach me what it is I'm supposed to learn. And, um, you know, and I'll, I'll grab the opportunities that feel like the best fit. And it's, it's really just been a lot of that for me. That's, I think that's the key to the thriving is knowing that I have choices and I can pick what's for me and leave what's not for me. Mm, absolutely. Um, I know you've been f faced with a health crisis this year, Laura, and I know that you've been handling it with extreme grace. And, and I know, um, cause you and I have chatted, but do you feel like if you were still drinking that that would play out differently? I imagine. Completely. And how do you feel in recovery? Do you feel, um, the gifts of your recovery through your, through your diagnosis? Absolutely. Um, one of the greatest things I've learned in recovery is, is self-care. And when I talk about self-care, I'm not talking about going to the hair salon or getting your nails done or getting a massage every week. Um, that's, that's outside of my financial means. Self-care for me is, is making time for myself and being with myself and making sure that my, my needs are met. So whether it's sleep or hydration or the fuel I put in my body and that factored in for me in a huge way when I got sick in June. Um, it was the ability to say, oh, I need to stop. You know, I need to change the way I'm doing things because my body doesn't want me to do it the way I've been doing it. Um, and there was also the process of just getting a diagnosis, which took three months. Mm. And it's something very rare, right, Laura? 
It is. I have um, a disease called pulmonary sarcoidosis. And just very briefly, sarcoidosis is a disease of exclusion. So it's, it's when it's not cancer or it's not an infection or it's not um, some sort of a fungus or anything else it can possibly be. And they rule all of that out through pathology um, with a biopsy and, and everything else. When it's none of these other things, it's sarcoidosis. Um, there are granulomas on my lungs, which actually look a lot like, um, like lymphoma, which mm -hmm. is what they, they thought I had. Um, but it was, it was ruled out because when they did the biopsy, it wasn't cancer. Um, but there's no, there's no cure. You can't make it go away. And in some cases, it becomes systemic and goes after every organ in your body. So, you know, now my process is just making sure that we're checking on all of my systems all the time and that I'm doing healthy things for myself um, to, um, to just take the best possible care I can of, of my body. And it's, it's almost like a hope for the best type of thing. The first, the first response is to throw you on a high dose of prednisone. Um, almost indefinitely, although they've weaned me off already because I was fortunate enough to gain 30 pounds in six weeks, mm. um, which is extremely uncomfortable when right. you, I started this journey overweight to begin with. So that's been, um, that's been crazy. But um, I think one of the things that recovery gave me the most through all of this was the ability to go okay, holy, holy cow, there's a whole lot swirling around me right now. And I can't possibly have control of all of this. And I'm going to look at all these moving pieces and grab onto what I can and do what I can with those things and let the rest just keep flying around until they're ready to settle enough for me to do something with mm -hmm. them. Um, and I never would have done that if I was still drinking. I would have, I would have hid from this. I would have checked out. Um, you know, I, I think I would have been consumed by negativity, and I was, I was able to stay positive through all of it. Um, and because one of the things that I've, I've learned as a, a non-drinker and in recovery is, is, and I go back to this all the time, things will not always be this way. Right. Um, you know, and, and when things are good, they won't always be this way. When things are bad, they won't always be this way. Um, and I, I embrace change and know that with everything that happens, there's a gift in there somewhere, maybe mm -hmm. multiple gifts, and, and you get to unwrap them. Laura, you're going to make me cry. That's beautiful. <gasps> That's beautiful. Well, it's true. Yeah. It's a huge perspective change, right? Yeah. And, you know, thank goodness you did have your foundation of care, self-care already established. Um, so you knew what to do. You just have to keep doing those things. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And, and yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you came on the show today to talk and share with us and share with our listeners. You have a beautiful story, Laura. And we're not done yet, but <laughs> um, I just wanted to say thank you. And thanks for sharing that with us as well. Aww, um, so at this phase of the 
our time together. We usually ask our <laughs> listeners about, um, you know, sobriety, creativity, toolbox items, you know, kind of something that you're using or that you turn to that you found has been really helpful. Um, and that, like I said, it could be creative related or it could be sobriety related or just something that helps you. Um, it's in your unruffled toolbox. And so we usually ask for three items. Do you have something to share today? I do. And the first one will come as absolutely no surprise to anyone who's been listening to the entire podcast. <laughs> um, but the first item in my toolbox is writing. Mm. Um, I just can't, I can't do what I do without the ability to throw some words on a page or in a phone or whatever it might be when I feel called to do it. It's not something I wake up and do at a specific time every day, and I don't even do it every day, but it's always there for me when I need it, and I learn to recognize when I need to write. So, you know, whether it's on the blog or in a journal, or it could be a gratitude list, which um, you and I have talked about, I don't do consistently, but I do it, um, I do it at some really convenient times <laughs> um, when it when it works for me, but sometimes that's the writing I do. Um, and I just, it's, it's just that thing that's always there for me when I, mm. when I need it. Um, and as I said, a lot of the times it never sees the light of day. It's a lot of right. the time it involves somebody else's story that isn't mine to tell, but it's my way of working through how that's part of my life and, and what I need to do to help that person or whatever it might be. Hmm. That's a good writing, one. Writing. What's number two? Number two is essential oils. Um, this is something I, I discovered in recovery and have started to use more and more, um, especially given the, the shift with my health over the summer, um, just kind of researching the different things that oils can do for you and um, and how they can help you emotionally as well as um, almost clinically in some cases. Um, but I had a super hard time sleeping when I first got sick. So I got really into using lavender oil. Um, and that's always been my go-to. Actually, this goes back to She Recovers in New York when I first met Julie from Sober Julie. Oh yeah. And she had essential oil samples and she gave me a little vial of lavender and I sprinkled it on my pillow in the hotel room that night, that very first night in New York. And I have never not sprinkled lavender on my pillow at bedtime since then. Ooh, that sounds mm. nice actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She Recovers New York was the first time I used oils too, because Elena Brower had handed out those roller balls from, from doTERRA. Yeah. Um, the one called Motivate, I believe. And it yeah. smelled so good. And that was my first introduction to, because I resisted them before, like I resist everything. But yeah, I enjoyed it. And then since then too. Oh, that's a good tool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that Motivate one is a nice one. And what about your third item? My third item is sleep. And mm -hmm. it's probably like, well, duh, right? But um, <laughs> I, before sobriety, was that person who would stay up all night. Um, I was even, even when I should have been knocked out because I had had so much to drink, I just would stay up. I would sit on the couch. I would stew over everything while everyone else was sleeping. And then I would expect myself to be able to achieve 
the next day. And I would do that a ton. Um, you know, still pulling those all-nighters that you're really only supposed to do in college. And now I'm, I'm much better about my sleep and I, um, I can be a little bit crazy about it too, um, with my, my kind of my wind down process before I go to bed at night, my, my quiet and my shutting down. And if one of the kids comes to me after 10 o'clock with a permission slip for school or some homework that they need help with, and I have to look at them and say, no, there's no brain engagement. You missed your window of opportunity. Oh, I'm yeah. Mine's at seven. I've got my kids for now. <laughs> don't ask me to do any sort of analytical work or help you with anything like that after seven. I'm done. My brain's not working anymore. And the thing is, like, I know if I turn it back on, I'm just not going to get to sleep. And I've become that protective of my sleep that I will refuse to engage in certain conversations with people after, you know, after that hour. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, sometimes that's when my husband and I have the only opportunity to talk about things. And I'll look at him and say, nope, sorry, got to save it. I can't do this right now because I need to shut off. Um, it's so, so important. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. so important. Sandra, you talk about that too, sleep. Oh, I do. It's key. It's super key. Yeah. When in early recovery, I remember like finishing up dinner and then it'd be like 20 minutes later, I'd be like, well, I'm going to go to bed for the night. And my husband would be like, it's, it's seven o'clock. I'm like, yeah, I know. Isn't that great? You know, I'd be up <laughs> early, but that was okay for me because I wanted to be up and alone and have my morning time and write or do whatever it was that I was doing in the morning or go to a meeting. But I needed sleep. My body just it, intuitively just was like, yep, you got to listen to this. Just you got to do this. And I still need it. Yeah, I still yeah. do. I mean, yeah. And, and, and it never, it doesn't even work if I try to fight it and that with the evening thing, you know, like I'm gonna, you know, I've got time to fire off a newsletter, What it just, no, it just, it doesn't happen. My brain just won't let it happen. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Laura, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all that you shared today and your tools. I know it will help somebody out there that's listening. Um, how can people work with you and your six week program? Can you promote what you like, what you're working on? Because this oh, is going to sure. air soon. And I know that you have a program that, that is, um, you're taking registration now, right? Sure. I actually have two different programs, um, right now. One is called lose the booze and it's for those who want to explore living without alcohol in their, their lives. Um, you know, for the, the sober curious, maybe there hasn't been a rock bottom, just want to see what it's like, um, referred to most commonly as dry January. Although as opposed to, Hey, don't drink for the month of January. I challenge you, but I give you nothing to help you. My lose the booze program really helps you kind of do a deep exploration on your relationship with alcohol to determine, you know, the role it's been playing in your life. And as opposed to getting to the end of the month and, and going, great, we're going to have a drink to celebrate 31 days of no alcohol. I encourage folks to decide, you know, at that point, what, what this really means for them. So I, so I have that, which launches of course on January 1st. Um, and how long and is that program? What is that for the month? It's for the month of January, okay. 31 days. It's um, you get an email in your inbox every morning 
um, with kind of thoughts for the day, different, um, different topics. I, I like to think of them as recovery topics, but they're, you know, they'll help people as they, as they kind of explore what they've been doing with alcohol, why they've been drinking, why they might want to stop drinking. Um, and then there's also um, a Facebook group that goes along with it for folks to encourage each other and provide support, ask questions. Um, I'm present in the group every day if people have questions or just need, you know, need a little bit of extra boost to get through a day without having a drink. Um, so there's so there's that. And then there's the the reinvented reinvent your wheels program, which is a six weeks six week six week program and it starts on January 5th. So registration is open for that right now. And what's your website again? It's laurapward.com. Great. And Laura, um, where else can people find you? I know you gave us all of your info. Let me go find it here. I'm also on Instagram, which is also Laura P. Ward. And I'm on Facebook. It's Laura Ward Coaching. Um, and then the blog I referred to earlier on in the podcast is the Quit Lining blog, which I launched when I first got sober. And I'm not writing so much for it anymore because of the shift to coaching. And there is a blog on the coaching website, but everything is still there. Um, mm -hmm. And I've done some wonderful interviews with people in recovery. So you can read other people's stories on the blog, as well as all the things I felt like writing about over the years. Well, there's a lot of, you're, you're helping a lot of people, Laura. It seems like that's your dharma, like that's your life's mm -hmm. work. And I think it's really beautiful. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much for coming on today. Thank, thank you for you. having me. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.